Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. newsletter at snoozecast.com. This episode is brought to you by Ozias Midwinter. Tonight, we'll read an excerpt from Wilkie Collins' 1864 novel, Armadale. It is the third of his four great novels of the decade, after The Woman in White and No Name and before the Moonstone. This is Snoozecast's third and a half time featuring Colin's work. If you enjoy this episode, you can also find our Moonstone episode from March 2019, our Woman in White episode from December 2019, and the lazy tour of two idle apprentices from July 2020, which Collins co-wrote with his friend, Charles Dickens. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. hundred and 
1951, the Reverend Decimus Brock, at that time a visitor to the Isle of Man, retired to his bedroom at Castletown with a serious personal responsibility in close pursuit of him, and with no distinct idea of the means by which he might relieve himself from the pressure of his present circumstances. The clergyman had reached that mature period of human life at which a sensible man learns to decline, as often as his temper will let him, all useless conflict with the tyranny of his own troubles. Abandoning any further effort to reach a decision in the emergency that now beset him, Mr. Brock sat down placidly in his shirt sleeves on the side of his bed and applied his mind to consider next whether the emergency itself was as serious as he had hitherto been inclined to think it. Following this new way out of his perplexities, Mr. Brock found himself unexpectedly traveling to the end in view by the least inspiriting of all human journeys, a journey through the past years of his own life. One by one, the events of those years, all connected with the same little group of characters, and all more or less answerable for the anxiety which now intruding itself between the clergyman and his night's rest, rose in progressive series on Mr. Brock's memory. The first of the series took him back, through a period of fourteen years, to his own rectory on the Somersetshire shores of the Bristol Channel, and closeted him at a private interview with a lady who had paid him a visit in the character of a total stranger to the parson and the place. The lady's complexion was fair. The lady's figure was well-preserved. She was still a young woman, and she looked young for her age. There was a shade of melancholy in her expression and an undertone of suffering in her voice. Enough, in each case, to indicate that she had known trouble, but not enough to obtrude that trouble on the notice of others. She brought with her a fine, fair-haired boy of eight years old, whom she presented as her son, and who was sent out of the way at the beginning of the interview to amuse himself in the rectory garden. Her card had preceded her entrance into the study and had announced her under the name of Mrs.